नमस्कार वेलकम टू इन्फिनिटी फाउंडेशन कुरुक्षेत्र पॉडकास्ट आई एम योर होस्ट करिश्मा हिमत सिंघानी इन टूडेज पॉडकास्ट यू विल हियर स्पेशल इंटरव्यू विद विंध्य वासिनी प्रसाद अ मेंबर ऑफ पार्लियामेंट इन गयाना लेट्स लिसन टू दिस स्पेशल इंटरव्यू नमस्ते विंध्या वासिनी प्रसाद इज ए मेंबर ऑफ पार्लियामेंट इन गयाना and we are here at the world hindu congress welcome namaskar yeah. and to all the viewers thank you so much for having me on your program yes so guyana is a fascinating country for us because there's a large hindu population uh, i have a lot of guyanese friends in queens new york and also in toronto there's they have a lot of temples i've gone and given talks many times uh, so tell us about the hinduism there the history of how it came uh what's the current politics and your organization and what you do that i think will be interesting right so ghana is poised in south america as the only english speaking country there but we also are part of the caribbean so we have a dual role in that part of the world ghana has a history like many other countries where sugar once ruled the world as many of our four parents who are hindus came from india under the immigration system this started in 1838 and this year we celebrate 180 years of indian arrival to ghana with the arrival or the advent of indians from bharat or india came hinduism they came they suffered and they toiled but what they never gave up was their hinduism many of them came with the ramayan and the bhagavad gita and today in our country those are the two main scriptural texts that hindus really revere and find solace and comfort in so hindus will always remember not only the struggles and the toils of their foreparents who came all those years ago but they'll be very grateful that they brought with them this dynamic comprehensive way of life which we still follow So you know in Toronto they celebrate this every year the arrival day? Yes, we do. Uh, It's on the 5th of May. And in I our was country. I was the keynote speaker a few years ago in Toronto and that hall was filled with people from uh, the Caribbean. Yes. A uh, lot of people from Trinidad, Tobago, Guyana, these countries and it was such a delight. And I have a lot of videos uh which which are from that event and the Q&A that followed. I feel that they are some of the most sincere Hindus. and i asked why and i want to uh, get your views on the answer i got i was told that to survive and keep your identity uh, the the ramayan particularly became a very important device the the grand narrative of who we are uh, for for people in that country so it was a it was a emotional psychological survival device also to keep our identity and not sort of get you know broken up what do you think of that Well, when the immigrants settled in Guyana and made the country their home, one of the gatherings that was always prevalent and still continues today was something called a yagya. All of these yagyas or most of them had as their basis the Ramayan. So, while it was a social gathering, it also gave Hindus who were being persecuted politically and also struggling under the indentured system back then something to give them resilience and fortitude to bear their hardship so that is still there today perhaps not exactly for the same reason but it allowed them to withstand challenges pressures and to surmount over the vicissitudes of life 
And in fact, if you go to Ghana, one of the very common greetings you will hear is Sita Ram. And that's how much the Ramayana has played a role in Ghana. In fact, the Ram Leela, which was introduced in Ghana by my grandfather, very who nice. was a Brahman Pandit who originated, and he came from Uttar Pradesh, and he came under the indentured system. He brought that tradition to Guyana, and back in the day, of course, I was not born, I never met him. Back in the day, the Ram Leela was performed by only men. Later, in later years, my father, who was iconic in the country, for the preservation of Hinduism and also helping to adapt Hinduism to a rapidly evolving country. Ripudaman Prasad, my grandfather being Pandit Durga Prasad, my father also Pandit, he also carried on the tradition of the Yajna and he was able to use the Ramayana not only for courage and strength, but he interpreted it in such a way that the message was very relevant to the Hindus of then, the Hindus of his time, and even the Hindus not so long ago. And Many years after, as a granddaughter, a very proud one, I pay tribute to them, the Hindus, and the country of my foreparents by doing Ram Leela in dance and drama because I'm a trained Kathak dancer. Wonderful. So it maintained that tie, yeah. and you will find facets of the Ramayana all across the country. So uh, tell me, what is, how, does the, how, is, how do you celebrate the Yajna? Tell me about it. What, what is it? How many days it lasts? What is the ritual? What happens? The Yajna usually goes for seven days. Very long ago, they would have two sessions, a morning and an evening session. And it would require the Pandit to deliver sermons, pravachan, katha from the Sri Ramchitmanas. And he would choose a different khand and narrate it. In later years, my father introduced music. So it became a musical accompaniment to the Chaupai, the Wonderful. Doha, the Chan. And that got people enthralled and they came in thousands. In fact, where now we have the mandirs and we have halls and we have all the fancy things, back then it was simply a gathering. It might be on a rice field, and but there were tractors, there were trailers, there were just people as far as the eye could see because it really gave them comfort and it gave them the wherewithal to bear what politically in the 70s and the 60s was a very trying time because Hindus were not allowed to practice as freely. They were starved of the ingredients to do their pujas. So all of the Ramayana yagyas would be preceded by puja, by havan, and then there would be the katha, the pravachan. And of course, there would be singers coming from all across the country to chant, and they would, do, they would have what we call the Ramayangol, where there would be men sitting and chanting from the various parts of the Ramayana to the, what we call the jal, the symbols. And that tradition is still maintained today. Sometimes you have shorter periods now for yagyas, but essentially the principle still remains today. So I want to make a point here. All these postmodernists and all these people who attack identity and call it sort of chauvinism and call it, give, give it all kinds of weird names, identity will never go away because, you know, these are amazing stories. Identity has been used for survival. For, to survive in hostile environments. You need collective sense of being together, a collective, uh, you know, jati's identity. So all the uh, people who went as indentured uh, uh, laborers to places like Guyana and, and the Caribbean to work in these uh, sugar, plantation. sugar plantations, it's because slavery was banned. Yeah, slavery was abolished. Slavery was abolished, so the colonizers needed something which would do the same job, get cheap labor, and do all the dirty work, all the hard work. 
uh, without calling it slavery. So they came up with this indentured labor system where technically speaking, you are a laborer, but you're going to be there forever. I mean, the conditions are very harsh. Very and, harsh. And the people, uh, people who were recruited in India didn't know what they were getting into. They would be put in a boat, very difficult conditions, reached several weeks later. And there's hardly any uh, chance that you'll ever get out of it or come back. So it's kind of like a quasi-crypto-slavery kind of a system. People need to know more about it. So how do you survive? How do you keep intact your emotional, psychological, so you can raise your children with dignity? You need this kind of identity. So Ramayana and the Hindu Dharma and the Yagna serve that purpose. So when I hear some arrogant, cynical, you know, pseudo-intellectuals in India uh, talking about, oh, those diaspora, you know, they are chauvinists because BJP made them chauvinists. It's all nonsense. There was no BJP at the time. We are talking about, you know, 150, 170 years ago. 180 years in we our case. We are talking about people who've gone and suffered and this is a device for them to keep, be okay. So the role of our spiritual tradition and other spiritual traditions have done similarly to keep a community's identity intact cannot be underestimated. Would you agree with that? I, I think it's very important because it, when we consider what they underwent in those very, very trying times, essentially they were almost at the point where they were asked to give up their identity comparatively because we are a land of six people. So there are many other populations that came under the indentured system. Hinduism has survived. Hindu culture has survived. In fact, I would be bold to say more than many of the other cultures, because even though we have lost the language, many people in our country do not speak. Very few understand. We still maintain our pujas. So we, you know, still, we still have it. And I think it goes back to that time when people were exposed in that congregational sense to Ramayana Yagyas, to Gita Yagyas, and also to their mandirs. Mandirs were very pivotal, still are, in our country. And you might see a mandir and a masjid not far from each other. And this is how, in a sense, we are able to maintain our identity. We have not lost our love for our country, Guyana. We are very much Guyanese, but we haven't lost our Hindu identity. Yeah. So, you know, when I talk to my African-American friends, mm -hmm. one of the things they say that devastated them as a people, which mm -hmm. led to the decline and led to all kinds of, you know, alcoholism, drugs, uh, you know, all sorts of social problems, unemployment, violence, was the loss of a sense of grand narrative of who they are, right. a break from Africa. So when they were brought from Africa, they lost that African religions. This is the big thing. They lost the African religions. They became Smith or whatever the name right. of the plantation was. They took over the name of the slave owner. If the slave owner was Smith, then they became Smith and they became Christian. So they, there was a disconnect with their past. And when you lose your identity and your sense of history and your identity, your, your, your faith, the master programs you to whatever they want. Right. They can program you into an inferiority. You are no good. I'm great. I, you should be grateful to me. So, you know, you have no choice because you have no resources. You have no, no sacred books, no, no nothing. So preserving Ramayana as sort of the grand narrative of who we Absolutely. are, a collective grand narrative of who we are, was extremely important. And this is why the Indian diaspora has come back in big shape. And, and I feel very sorry for the Africans because I think they did not have the ability, they were not able to preserve their native traditions. 
Right. So and this this is a very big difference between the Africans who came from who were brought from Africa and the Indian indentured laborers who were brought from India under you know very harsh conditions very bo harsh. in both cases. But the Indians preserve their religion. This is so important to note. And you mentioned something about the names. In fact, very early, many people, they had their names anglicized. In fact, my surname is now Prasad, and you'll find a lot of Prasads and Singh in my country, and you probably know them in, in Queens, but it was Prasad. So our names were anglicized, and later on, under the political circumstances, we, there was also an attempt to have the Hindus convert, or conversion is still very much prevalent, or more so to change their names to access jobs and education. And there was a resistance against this, and I think it was not until the late 80s and 90s they were, you saw the resurgence of Hindu names, and you saw people coming out and being very vocal and very vibrant and being unafraid to be who they are. And I have to credit my father again, Pandit Ripudaman Prasad, not only was he a Pandit, but he formed the largest Hindu organization, which still survives until today, which I now head and will celebrate 45 years. But he was also a politician and he fought for the rights of the Hindus and, you know, always advise them, be proud of who you are. So that brings up another issue. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting that in Guyana, uh, the, the Hindu leaders uh, paying the price of controversy, paying the price of whatever oppression or pressures they are facing, have not changed their identity very, uh, even publicly, they're very assertive Hindus. Uh, in the United States, the message is, those of you who are Hindus who enter politics, shame on you if you give up your identity. I mean, this happened to Bobby Jindal, uh, this has happened to various uh, other people, and most recently, Tulsi Gabbard, a publicly, you know, Hindu in Hawaii, a congresswoman, uh, refused to come to this World Hindu Congress uh, because it was sort of controversial. She wrote a, a letter to the people in, uh, in, involved in running this, con uh, this uh, event that they should not use her name, her video, her images, or any, anything to do with her in any of their material on their website, etc. We'll put that up. So she not only sort of politely withdrew, but she very angrily sort of dismissed them as chauvinist and partisan and, you know, not, uh, not the right kind of people, something wrong, like she's uh, accusing the Congress of something wrong about it. This is very shameful because it's the Hindus who supported her, who funded her, who championed her, who still do that, I think, very naively. I think she owes us an apology. So the United States... Indian and Hindu politicians need to learn about the loyalty to their narrative, to their identity, uh, in exchange for the support. Because, you know, they cannot have double-faced. When it's a fundraiser, they are Hindu, and when it's time to stick their neck out and support us, then they don't want anything to do with it. So this is an important uh, point. What do you think of that? I think one should never lose their identity. It does not detract from them being nationalistic in the sense, I am as Guyanese as I am as Hindu. And we have had politicians over the years who have not changed their identity. Recently, Dr. Bhar Jagdeo, there is Dr. Chedi Jagan, who was the president in 1992 at the return to democracy in Guyana and the first premier. There's my father, Pandit Ripudaman Prasad, and none of these persons have shied away from their heritage. I do believe that being Hindu does not detract from your serving and your being part of anything that allows the sharing of ideas, perspective, views, and opinions that come from across the world. It is something that we should be very privileged to be a part of, very humble to be able to share with the world. But as 
I think our country, Guyana, stands very much as a model because we have had the opportunity to see the melding of cultures. We are the land of six peoples. People came from various parts of the world on the systems of slavery and dentorship. They brought their cultures and their faith. And we have survived and lived very, very harmoniously with each other as a people. We have the opportunity to share in each other's faiths, festivals, and cultural practices. In fact, the Guyana Hindu Dharmic Sabha, which I head currently, my father before me, holds the largest procession in the Caribbean, one which we're very proud of, mm. and I'd love people to come and experience this, experience this, that brings thousands of people from every ethnicity, every background, every social strata, on the streets to witness little children bedecked and dressed as Mahalakshmi, Saraswati Ma, Durga Ma, and there is a lit procession that makes this its is way Diwali. Diwali on the eve of Diwali every year. And it was it is almost a 40 year tradition now. It has grown in magnitude. It's done all around the country and people come out, they enjoy it. Bhajans are being played and it is the visibility of Hinduism that the Guyanese population has embraced. And also people come from all parts of the world to witness this. And it is something that I think needs to be done around the world. If we understand each other's beliefs, if we are accepting of our diversity, but we also have embedded in that respect for each other. I think the world will move to Swami Vivekanand's ideals that he espoused in his conference in Chicago so many years ago, and also the Hindu ideal of Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam, the world is one family. Let us embrace it. Let us have respect as part of our makeup. Let us always have love and unity and the ability to listen, to dialogue, and never to dismiss or disparage, especially what we belong to, but rather to share it with the rest of the world because essentially we are what we are, Hindus. So you are a remarkable ambassador of Hinduism, of Guyana, Thank you. of your family heritage and, and your, your own Hindu lineage, of, the, the, of Ramayana, of uh, uh, Ramayana and of Diwali and various uh, things that you do there very successfully. This is a very very good story. This is young person. Uh, we want to encourage such people. So if you like the kind of things that we are bringing to you, uh, please uh, subscribe to this channel. Please share it with friends. Please donate for our causes. We are involved in many many causes. Uh, we we would love to hear from you on the comment line. Thank you very much and namaste namaskar and thank you so much for having me on your program i'm very very happy to be here to share these thoughts with you thank you i hope you enjoyed today's podcast do write to us if you have any questions suggestions or feedback on infinity foundation podcast at gmail.com until next time this is karishma saying bye-bye